Because of your blood, we have forgiveness. We have mercy. We have healing. We have relationship. Because of your blood, we have it all. We have it all. And I thank you that your blood isn't just the coping mechanism for us, but there is power in your blood and in your name. There is power. Power that transforms us. Thank you that that same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive in each one of us. Thank you, Jesus. We give you glory. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You're in this room. We ask you to take over. I thank you that people here tonight are going to hear your word as it applies to them. Thank you that lives will be changed tonight. Mindsets will be changed tonight. Hearts will be changed tonight. Light comes in the darkness. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you in advance for everything you're going to do. We give you glory. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We love you, Lord. Why don't you just take that, take a moment right now. And just thank him for what he's done for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. It's good to be in God's presence, isn't it? Even better when we're all together. So welcome to everyone here. If you're here for the first time, special welcome to you. Welcome to our family. You are most welcome. And we're in for a great night. Just a couple of announcements before we welcome up Pastor Tony. Kids ministry is on up the back and just a few announcements about that kids have to be toilet trained to be in the room our preference is parents if you're dropping them off just leave the room and come in here and if you do need to go into the room please do so through the side door not through this back door here one other thing just as we're leaving 
just a reminder to there's another church service happening uh, whilst we wrap up here so as you're leaving it can get quite loud and echoey out there so please just try and keep it down so we don't disturb uh, the church service downstairs but otherwise who's excited to hear the word of God tonight lots of hands going up amazing why don't we stand to our feet and welcome up Pastor Tony Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight, that you are the king of this meeting, you're king of our hearts, you're the king of our soul. We bow before you because your spirit enlightens us. He lifts us up and seats us in heavenly places to hear what the spirit of grace has to say. Thank you, Father, that we come to hear your voice, not man, but yours. For you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. There's no other name under heaven to call on to be saved. That we touch heaven tonight, Father, because of your spirit, because of your love and kindness, because of the blood of Jesus that can open up the windows of heaven, that we can walk through the door, which is Jesus, and sit in front of your presence, Father, to be taught by you as children, not as slaves, not as servants, but as children, to do the will of the Master. And Lord, we thank you for tonight in advance, what you're about to do in our lives, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome, everyone. It's getting cold, isn't it? So I won't complain. Everyone's freezing. Look at them. We'll continue on the, our series on, on parables. And uh, for those who were here last week, we spoke about the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And... Um, and we spoke in, in detail regarding what the deeper meaning of that parable meant. And if you haven't listened to it, they're all on um, YouTube and Facebook and Spotify. Is that right? Still on Spotify and all that? Not yet. Okay. Um, don't go to Spotify. Um, but you can go back and watch those and, 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 and just go over these parables and, and get the Word of God in your, in your spirit. Because it's the, the ultimate teacher is the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's the ultimate teacher. We are guided by him. We walk, we get the word of God, revelation of the word. Um, God speaks to our hearts to deliver a message. And it's line upon line, uh, precept upon precept. And, you know, in, I've been doing this for nearly 20 years, but in, in the, I've been saved for 20 years. And, and you can go back over old scriptures and over, over old stories in the Bible. And God just opens up another dimension in, in the scripture because the word of God is alive, amen? You can never satisfy the word of God. You can never say, I've read the Bible. I laugh when people say, I've read the Bible. <laughs> How do you read something that's living? How do you read something and say it's done when it's always continually uh, manifesting his glory every day? It's like saying, I can explain God to you. If God could be explained, then he's not worthy to be God. God is unexplainable. But we see the nature and the character of God. We see his, his, the evidence of God. We see his personality. We see him through the word and through his spirit that we can have a glimpse of God. But let's say until we see him face to face, we will never know what he's really like. Amen. But we understand who he is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And what did Jesus do? He went about doing good, healing those oppressed of the devil. 
The lie is that God is so far over there and we're so down here and we are not even allowed to go near him. And the only time we hear from God is when we do something wrong. But that's so contrary to the scripture. And Jesus is talking in his parables and we talked about parables, how there are a story to define a spiritual meaning or a teaching. And some parables get into allegory, which is a deeper spiritual meaning. And it's, and, and it's, it's, it's to teach us and people say to me all the time, but parables are hard to understand. And, you know, in some cases they are. And it's like Jesus is talking in the language because even the disciples said it. What are you speaking parables? Why don't you just speak plainly? He says, because the mysteries of the kingdom or the treasures of the kingdom are not for everyone. Now, you could read that and say, well, God's withholding, but he's not. They're not for everyone because not everyone will accept it. So when you get a treasure from the Lord, when the light of the gospel shines, like this analogy I used to, um, used to, I heard years ago. It was like a guy takes in the middle of the night, he takes a, a torch, like a, a floodlight, and he walks into the barn and he shines it. And all of a sudden the cockroaches see the light and they run for their life and the rats run for their life. But the birds come and then the, the, the moths come. They're attracted to the light. But the rats do a runner. And it's like it's the same light, but some run and some come towards and that's like these parables, because when he was speaking these parables, the Pharisees were running away from the truth, and the people that, like the disciples, were coming to the truth. And when we get a revelation who Jesus is, we're either going to run, and they, or we're going to come and accept it. But the problem wasn't the light, it was what you were willing to accept. And God knows the hearts of people that they would never accept his word. If you read through the whole four Gospels, you'll find that Jesus starts talking in parables, when he realizes that Israel or the Jewish the council have rejected him as king, they've rejected his word as the Messiah. You know, most of the epistles that we read in, um, with, from Paul and Peter and Jude and um, you know, in the book of Timothy and Corinthians and you've got John, were all to counteract false doctrine, were all to counteract people going off track. It was always a letter to the churches to explain what the stance was. I mean, the book of John is to counteract agnostic people in his day. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. They're a synoptic gospel. They're very similar. But the book of John was to deal with people that were saying that Jesus wasn't the Son of God, that Jesus didn't really die, rose, rise from the dead. It was all, they were taking it into spirituality and liberality, and they're just trying to explain it away. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, he's a good teacher, but he's not the Son of God. And John says, I'm telling you what I have seen. I'm telling you what I have heard with my own eyes. And I'm telling you from the foundation of the world who he really is. And the parables are no different. So I'm going to get my brother Dorian to read. And we're going to read a few of the parables all in a row from Matthew. So if you want to go to your Bibles, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 24 onwards. I'm going to get Dorian to read it and then we'll go back through every parable. But what I want you to understand today that God is not hiding something from you. God is hiding something for you. The treasures of the kingdom aren't, the Bible says, don't throw pearls to swines. The treasures of the kingdom aren't to be mishandled. But don't ever think that God's hiding away from you or not trying to give you a revelation. The revelation comes when you're ready to receive it. There's a saying that when the student's ready, the teacher will come. But is your heart ready? Prepare your heart for him. And if it stirs your heart or you get a conviction of your heart or 
there's something that's said or you hear that doesn't sit right with you, go back to the Lord because the ultimate teacher is the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's the spirit of truth. So we'll go for it's Matthew chapter 13 and verse 24. If you do that morning, brother. All right. The parable of the wheat and the tares. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, do you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. The parable of the mustard seed. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown... It is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. The parable of the leaven. Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Prophecy and the parables. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables and without a parable he did not speak to them that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying I'll open my mouth in parables I'll utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. The parable of the tares explained. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house and his disciples came to him saying Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Thanks for that. Or we can go home now.
a bit there to unpack. Jesus is painting a picture here. He's, he's telling a parable and a story. And when he goes, and we got chapter and verses in our Bibles, but Jesus, when he spoke, he didn't stop and put a full stop and said, I'll come back tomorrow and I'll finish it. He was speaking through it. And when you read your Bible, one thing I learned in my early days is never to take a scripture or a story out of its setting. Never to take it out of its position and make it sound what I want it to sound like, which is how cults start, which is how a lot of denominations start because they take a one scripture out of its setting and not read it and keep it into its rightful place. Jesus here is painting, in a sense, he's telling us a story through many different parables. And he's telling the story as a, a painter would paint a picture. If someone was to start painting this picture up here and they started with this bottom section and, and that's all you saw, you'd say, well, that's a lady praying. But who's she praying to? But then as the picture gets a bit more... You know, in context, you'll see more people. and Oh, there's more people praying. But who are they praying to? Then you see a tree. Oh, they're in the field. And then by the time they paint the whole picture, you'll see, ah, Jesus is preaching. And that's a picture of Jesus. They're out in the garden and there's people praying. But if I was to just see that bottom part, you wouldn't know the full story of the picture. Amen. That's like getting a scripture and pulling it out of its setting and saying that's what it means, but without putting it in its rightful place. Here in the story here, uh, if you even before Matthew 1324, there's a very common parable where the farmer sows seeds, some fall on hard ground, some fall on soft ground, some fall on stony ground, and some fall on good soil. You've heard that millions of times if you've been in the church. And it talks about that's the word. The farmer is God. God sows the word. And some take root, some don't, some produce a harvest. Here, it's a sort of a similar story. But when he explains it towards the end, he says that the sowing of the, of, of the farmer sowing in the field was people. And at night, someone comes and sows tares, which is a weed. And the weed is now in the same field. And then he says that that's from the devil. And these are the people of the kingdom. And we're going to touch on this a little bit because Jesus now is using an analogy that's very familiar with the Jewish people, very familiar with his time and place. It may not be too familiar with us. I mean, who here likes gardening? Oh, made a lie out of me. Who he likes uh, planting? Who he has got a farm? Who he has a hundred acres? Rabbits wants to shoot there. All right. <laughs> I was trying to find someone who has nothing to do with this story. <laughs> but I'm not a farmer. I barely cut the grass in a straight line. I, I, I got no idea. But when we look into this, we have a look, and he says that the that the farmer sowed because you sowed good so seed. He goes, but where did all these weeds come from? The, the tares in this scripture are weeds. The wheat is what we want. What do we make out of wheat? They get it, they crush it, they make flour, they make bread. It's good. But the tares are weeds. You can't do anything with them. And it's interesting, he says that he came and sowed it at night. Then he says, well, let me just rip them all out. He goes, no, you can't because they're not mature yet. And if you were to rip the weeds out, you would rip the wheat out with it. So many years ago, I, I, I looked into this. I never preached it, but it was just something I was interested in. You got that picture there, uh, Becky. If you have a look at this picture, it's just a simple picture. This is a sketch of wheat, and this is the sketch of tares. When they're growing up, they love the same environment, same soil, same uh, weather, and they all grow together. 
And if you can look at it on the surface, you'll see they're very similar. It's not until they mature that you'll find out what's wheat and what's a weed. That's wheat, but that's what they would call darnel uh, weed. And darnel weed would go grow in the same atmosphere or the same zone as a wheat. But this is the funny thing is, it would grow so close to one another that it would, it would um, graft itself into one another. In other words, that that weed and that wheat would end up sharing the same root under the ground. And they'll end up, end up being intertwined. So when Jesus said, no, 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 wait till it's fully mature. Because if you do it now, you pull that out, you'll pull that out and we have no more harvest. And we know that the story at the end, he says, but wait to the end. When my harvest has come, he's speaking about the kingdom of God here. But it's interesting that this weed in some regions of Israel, guess what they call it? Because Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God now, yeah? He's talking about his kingdom and what's going to happen. He's talking about the future. He's saying the kingdom of God is like. And this is what he was trying to say. He says, in the kingdom, you're going to have the truth, which is wheat, but you're going to have the false. You know what they used to call this in Israel? A lot of the farmers, false wheat. The false wheat would be in the same garden as the true wheat. Let me say it this way. False converts or false believers will be in the same garden as true believers. But they're all going to grow up together in the same garden, in the same kingdom. And it's like, what's the Bible say in Romans chapter 11? That we've been grafted in. We've been grafted into who? Into what? Into Christ. We're, in Christ, we're grafted into the blessings of Abraham. Paul does an analogy. It's an olive tree. The Jews were the olive tree. But the branches are broken because of their unbelief. And guess what God did? Through Jesus Christ, reconciled us back to God. He grafted the Gentiles, which is us, into the tree. We got grafted in, which means we start to grow within that tree. Just like the enemy is doing the exact same thing here. He's planting seeds in the kingdom and they graft into the root. And guess what? You can't determine what's false and what's true anymore. And they grow up together. Oh, when I was seeing this, I thought, wow, Lord. And it was interesting. They call that false weed. Jude chapter 1 verse 4. This is the book of Jude. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness. Earlier we read lawlessness. And they deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is in Jude. This is a picture. We don't have to go to Romans, but Romans says it this way. Romans says um, that we've been grafted in and we are partakers of the same root of the fatness of the olive tree. In other words, we get partaken of the blessings of the Jews that God promised through Abraham. Are you with me? We get grafted in. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. We get now to share in the blessings of Abraham. He, Jesus comes to fulfill the law of Moses, but the blessing isn't in Moses' law. The blessing is in the promise to Abraham through faith. So we are saved through faith. Amen? Through the faith of the work of Jesus, we put our faith and trust in the cross. And it's interesting in the, in the, in the, uh, in the, in the weeds, once they, they grow so close together, apparently, the only way when the harvest comes, guess what they do? They rip them all out together and then they throw them on the, on the threshing floor 
and they run this threshing, it's like a little tray with timber, and they run over it and they just crush all the weeds and it separates the wheat from the tares. And then in the crushing, in the thrashing, then the truth comes out and that gets harvested. But look what he does to the weeds. He puts them in the fire. If we go back to the end of what we read, look at this. I want to show you something. Oh, it's going crazy. In Matthew 13, and go to verse, verse 41. The Son of Man will send out His angels. Angels always represent ministering spirits to God and to us. And angels always harvest. Remember we spoke about this, Adam, a few weeks ago, and we said that angels always harvest. They collect the harvest, good and bad. And God's going to send his angels. This is talking about the end of the age. And he says that in verse 1, the Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out the king of all those that offend and those who practice lawlessness. What did Jude say? There's men crept in among us. They're with us. They share in the same root. They say all the right things. They smell the same. They look, they say the right. But guess what? There are people of lawlessness. And God's marked them for a day of, of what was it? what's he going to do to them? Look what it says here. It says, they practice lawlessness and they will be cast into the furnace of fire and there'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now you might be sitting there saying, oh, what's that got to do with a Sunday afternoon message? I want a nice message to feel better. You're going to feel better because deception's knocking on our door every day. The deception, they might, you not, might, not, might be deceived in a cult, but you might be deceived the fact that, well, my sickness belongs to me because I've done something wrong. Or you might be thinking my, my poverty is all, oh, that's the way God wants me to be. Or I'll never have any good blessings in my life because I've done something wrong. They're all false doctrines that we build in the heart. We prayed, nothing happened, so we stopped praying. Or we, you know, all these things that we build up in our hearts. And then you've got the false wolves in sheep's clothing coming in, deceiving. The Bible says in the end days, many will be deceived. Be at watch. Be that you do not pray that you do not be deceived. Amen. That false wheat, it got me a beauty because when I was looking at it, I thought, wow, that wheat looks like the truth. Now, you're going to ask yourself a question. In this parable, it says that when the harvest is full, then he'll gather them and separate them and that. But what do we do in the meantime? We're, we're still here. Jesus says, occupy till I come. There's a job for us to do on this earth right now. And it's not just to pamper your lifestyle. Not just to tick the boxes and make you feel better. The gospel was never to gratify the flesh. It was to die to the flesh. We get the blessings of the kingdom because he's our father, but we don't serve God just to get the blessing. Because then it's no longer a blessing. If all I do is to do something to get, guess what? I'll never be satisfied. Oh, I just want more. I just want more. I just want more. But when I'm died to self, whatever he gives me is abundance. And then I learn to move in that. Can someone say amen? So now we know that the, the, the reason why he said do not rip up the roots because they're intertwined, they're grafted into one another. And if you pull something out before it's time, you kill it. Who's ever uh, had a plant, you've taken it out, then a cucumber or a chili or a... Sublaki, oh, what is it, no, Jackie? You can't eat it. 
Who's, who's eaten a, a mandarin that's not ripe yet? Except for lips, they take plums and they're green, they put salt and eat it, but, but we're a different breed of people. Um, the next one he says about the, when he was talking, is about the, um, the kingdom of God is like the mustard seed. In that time, the smallest seed in that region was a mustard seed. This smallest seed, someone had an argument. You know, the Bible says the smallest of seeds is a mustard seed, but there's another seed. Yeah, you buy it in the South Pole. We're talking about people in Jerusalem here. The smallest mustard seed, and which a man took and sowed in the field, which indeed is the least of the seeds, but when it grew, then the, bigger than the herbs, and the birds nested there. Now, it's interesting when you read that parable, and then the next one, it seems like it's a good parable. It seems like God is promoting something. But no, because the mustard seed, the Bible says if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain be moved. True faith can move mountains. True faith can bring healing. True faith can serve the master. Amen. But when that tree grows, the Bible says birds nest there. Well, birds symbolic of in the Bible. All you have to read is a couple of verses up. You see the birds of the air came and took the word and stole it. We know that Joseph had a dream and the guy had birds. He said, those birds are going to kill you, basically. The birds always, not always, but a lot of the times symbolic of the enemy and the fowls of the air that come to the rob. Always. This bird's nesting in the tree. What's he doing? What does he plant in that tree? We know through history, we can go through history, in the kingdom of God, we knew that we know that happened in the Pharisaical time when Jesus came and said, You Pharisees, and he rebukes the Pharisees. You have the keys to the kingdom, and you're not getting in, you don't let anyone else in. He goes, You traveled the whole world to make one convert, and now he's twice the devil than what he was. Because you put burdens on people, you don't lift a finger to help them. Everything contrary. See, the law cannot be kept, but the law was holy, and the law was to point you to Christ. But what they did was they put so much burden on the people that they put the weight of this, this sin and guilt and shame of the law. And guess what? They would tell everyone to obey it and they would break it. That's what Jesus says. Do you obey the law? Do you murder? Do you steal? Do you? You get what I'm saying? They sit in the seat of Moses, which means they put themselves as judges. But he says, do what they say, but don't do what they do. They're hypocrites. And here, the birds are nesting. And the birds are nesting. Why? It's sitting in the tree. What does a bird do when it nests? It brings everything with it. Eggs, rubbish, flies, fleas. But what it does, it just makes its residence in the tree. Now, birds can be both ends. But you know what? The kingdom of God, if you go out through history of the church, you see how many how much corruption, how big the church has grown, how big the kingdom of God has grown. And yet all you see is deceit and corruption. There was from between 500 A.D., about the 1600s, it was called the Dark Ages. No one had a Bible. They were oppressed by the church. I'm not going to get into what, but corruption and the birds of the air have put deception in every denomination through the history of since Jesus rose from the dead. Deception is always there, but God's always had a rem remnant of people. Amen? Everyone say that God's got us in the palm of his hand. If you want to search his heart, he'll never let you go. Amen? So this tree grew up. And then all of a sudden, the next verse says that in uh, verse 33, it says the parable of a kingdom is like leaven, which a woman took and hid three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Again, you look at it and say, okay, the woman put leaven, which is yeast, as we know. When we eat bread, it puffs up. But what is leaven symbolic of? 
false teaching, leaven, when the Bible says they have that, the, the feast of unleavened bread, Pharisees, pride. Leaven always represents sin. When the Jews have the feast of unleavened bread, remember we did the unleavened bread um, before Easter? We spoke about it. It's interesting here. Here it says the woman put it in three measures and she tilled it, which means she mixed it up until it was all leaven. And people have said in the past, I've heard people say, that's the kingdom of God spreading. You know, rubbish. That's sin in the camp. That's the enemy putting sin in the leaven until it's all corrupted. Leaven always represents sin. That's why on the Feast of Unleavened Bread, guess what? All the Jews would eat leaven in their Passover feast and the Sabbath. But they had to take anything that had to do with leaven or yeast out of their houses. They couldn't even be found in their homes. Moses said, listen, get rid of all the leaven. If I find it in your homes, I'll, you'll, you'll, you'll get stoned. That's how serious they took sin. Because sin, leaven always puffs up. It speaks about adding to and it puffs you up. Sin puffs up and, cre and it corrupts. Look at this. When I saw those three measures, it really spoke to my heart because a few months ago, well, a month ago, I was looking at the leaven of the Pharisees. So Mark chapter 8, verse 15. I'm not saying this is what he's talking about, but what I'm telling you is that the Bible explains the Bible or Scripture interprets Scripture. Amen? Tony doesn't interpret Scripture. The Holy Spirit in Tony interprets Scripture through the Word, line upon line and precept upon precept. In other words, the Bible, Scripture, interprets Scripture. Are you with me? It says he, he charged them by saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now we know who the Pharisees are, eh? The religious leaders of the time. Herod was the king at the time. He was a false king. He wasn't the king of the Jews. But remember when Caiaphas said, this Jesus claims to be a king. Well, we have no king but Herod. What a cop out. He wasn't even Jewish. His mum was apparently a Jewish convert. She was an Arab, but he himself wasn't Jewish. And the Pharisees speak of the priesthood. But in Corinthians, we're going to get back to that in a second. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. Look what Paul says. Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may have a new lump, since you are truly unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us, Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of the malice or wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Rabbis were speaking the other day about sympathy and um, empathy for someone and the mercy of God and how you can show mercy when you've received mercy. It's interesting here, it says that the leaven he was talking about, I believe the Corinthian church here, you've got to understand the Corinthian church were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they were speaking in tongues, and the gifts of the Spirit were in operation. Everything was happening, but they were all out of order, were all in sin. And people say, well, see, look what happens when you go down that road, you end up in sin. Trust me, you're sinning even if you've got the Ten Commandments on your wall. But this mob here got the gifts of the Spirit, and Paul was trying to tell them, listen, get rid of the old leaven, which is talking about the law, talking about how you lived your lifestyle, and start getting a new lump without any corruption. And Paul rebukes them. You can read the whole book of Corinthians. But isn't it interesting here that, can we go back to Mark 8, 15? We could say that the Corinthian church were operating. They were converts in Jesus. The Holy Spirit was moving within them. Here he talks about beware of the Pharisees, the priesthood, Herod the king. 
What has Jesus established in the New Testament for us from the Old Testament? Get him out. No, I'm joking. We are a king, a priest, and a prophet unto God. In the old days, the king, King David was a king. They had a prophet, Samuel. Remember that? The priesthood, the Leviticus priesthood, Aaron, Moses. You know, you know the picture. But when Jesus came, he was our true priest. He was our true prophet, and he was our true king. And when we got saved, we became a king, a priest, and a prophet unto God. Amen? Every father in this room is a king and a priest and a prophet to his own home. If you're waiting for someone else, the enemy will come and put seeds and destroy your family. We got to rise up as men of God and as fathers and as brothers and that, as kings, priests, and prophets unto God for our people. Amen? Here, he's saying, be wary of the Pharisee. Why? Because the devil's going to pervert our kingship. Our priesthood and the Corinthian church speaks of false prophets. And here Jesus is warning him in this parable. He says, three measures. I just spoke to my heart. That this leaven is be wary because now he's showing us the picture. The kingdom of God has got wheat, but that's got also weeds. One's from God, one's from the devil, but they're growing up together. I'm going to plant a seed. It's going to grow into a big empire. But guess what? Birds are going to nest there. Watch what they're nesting. What, what are they saying? What are they doing? Here, guess, and watch out for the teachings. Be wary of false teachers because they're going to corrupt the whole batch. The enemy cannot stop the kingdom of God. All he has got is to try and deceive us. But we have a great master in us, amen? We have the Holy Spirit in us, amen? This is not a bad news message. This is an awareness message because on my gate, on my house, I don't have a dog. We said, beware of the dog. We'll beware of false teachers here because we have the great Holy Spirit in us, amen? The more you spend time with him, the more you'll know truth. And I love this bit here, Matthew 34, 35. Is it up there? Let me have a drink. I was cold when I started. Yeah, please. You know what? It's interesting. When you give time for the Lord, and I'm not saying that what I'm saying here today is 100% what it all, what I am saying is when it speaks to your heart and you understand that if the compass is off a little bit, we cannot accept it. It has to always point to Jesus. It has to point to Jesus. The revelation of God's word comes in you because the Bible says you need no man to teach you, but you have the Holy Spirit to teach you. What he's saying is that doesn't mean we can't get taught by your pastors and by your leaders. What he's saying is when we teach, let the Holy Spirit inside you, if you have enough love for him, that it would marry up your spirit and his spirit marry up and you know the truth. I think I shared this once before. I was talking to a guy. He was saying all the right things. Everything about him was right. The, the, the word and what he went through and what he saw and these visions. But every time he spoke, my spirit would just, and I'm, I'm a pretty easygoing sort of guy. So I'm listening to the guy. Wow, wow. Finally, I said, this guy's demon possessed. In my spirit, I was like, it's not right. Why? Because the truth inside me, in my mind, I thought he was all right. Like he, he said all the right things. But the truth inside me was just not sitting well. And guess what? The guy had a demon in him and he was deceived. And we prayed for him and God set him free. But I could have been easily swayed by the miracles he was seeing and all these things he was going through. But in my spirit, why? I spent enough time with the Holy Spirit to have an understanding that if the peace of God is not there. So I don't have no opinion. 
I pray that you read the Bible more than me. I pray that you've done more miracles than me. I pray you've preached to more people than me. But I don't care about what you're doing. I want to know what the Holy Spirit's doing inside me. Because if I'm not right here, I can't do anything out here. And then we get deceived. I want to know what's right in my heart. Are you with me? And then outwardly, I'm not trying to perform. Rabbi's not trying to perform. We're not trying to perform. We're not trying to outdo each other. But I love it when I, I st- I'm 20 years in this and I still get excited when someone says to me, I got filled with the Holy Spirit or I got healed or I got saved. I still get excited like a little kid. Why? Because I know what it did to me 20 years ago. And that deception's not coming in. But we can be deceived because Peter said, Jesus said to Peter, I'm going to pray that you, the devil's, devil's coming to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed that your faith will not fail you. So I pray that your faith doesn't fail you. Because we can help you as much as you want. But if you don't spend time with God, deception is knocking on your door every day. You know it and I know it. This day and age, we're getting bombarded with that much information. We're seeing that much from Facebook and, you know, your phones and that. This, and it might not even be evil. It's just too much. And our brains and our bodies, they're, they're saying there's massive overload in people. Why? And then you feed your spirit with garbage and then all of a sudden you want to pray and you can't because you've just filled yourself with junk food. Try and eat junk food all day and then go out and go to your mum's cooking one night. The best meal and you can't. Disgusting because you've just ate junk food all day. But what I know that in my spirit is alive to God through his love. He guides me into all truth. Look what it says here. We on there? All things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables and without a parable he did not speak to them. And it might be fulfilled, spoken by the prophet. I'll open my mouth in parables and I'll utter things kept in secret from the foundation of the world. I often say this, Jesus holding not from you, he's holding a treasure for you, but this treasure was in Christ before the foundation of the world. You know how precious that is? And he wants to reveal it to you. Look how he wants to reveal it to you. The, the secret is kept uh, he will utter things kept in secret from the foundation of the world. The Bible says in John chapter 16, verse 13, says, However, when the Spirit of truth comes, he'll guide us into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Right? That's a very familiar scripture in this church. So when we receive the Holy Spirit, he's the Spirit of truth. He didn't say he's the Spirit of power or the Spirit. We know he is power. We know he's the anointing. We know he's the baptizer of the Holy Ghost. But he says here, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive truth. Why does it? Because the Bible says the truth will set you free. Okay? See, the Corinthian church had the power of God, had no truth. This guy was sleeping around. This guy goes, turned him over to Satan. You get what I'm trying to say here. But look at this. In John chapter, 1 Corinthians, sorry, chapter 14. And this really spoke to my heart. God's going to reveal Scripture through parables in Christ before the foundation of the world. Look what it says here. For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to man but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. You can say it this way. In the Spirit I speak the treasures that are hidden in Christ before the foundation of the world. In the parable he's given them to me, and in the Spirit I speak them out. When the Spirit and the Word come together, they bring life inside you. If you spend enough time in God, he'll bring the treasures of heaven and the treasures of the word and put them together and there's nothing but explosion in your spirit. And then we can walk like him. The treasure, the, the transformation, the, the revelation you're getting isn't to say, look what I got. If it doesn't transform you, it's only information. 
But when you get a revelation of who Jesus is, I have to transform you. You have to change. You have to change. Otherwise, it's not revelation. It's just, feel good today. Feel good. Yeah, I really feel good, excited. If you have to tell me you feel good, that means you're not good. If you, have, you know, if you have to tell me what your calling is, then you haven't got a calling. If you have to tell me your position, you haven't got a position. But people can see it in you. They can see the change in you. Why? The Bible says he changes us from the inside out. The Holy Spirit is to form Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen. And then we look at this whole parable into context now. And we say to ourselves, okay, he's going to gather at the end of the age, the harvest. It's going to be a sad day. Listen to me. You start to see this now. You start to see when they say, Lord, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I cast out devils in your name. He goes, depart from me. You people that practice sin, iniquity, I never knew you. That's a scary scripture to me. I'm not scared, but it's scary. I'm not concerned, but it's concerning. Why? We have a heart for people because deception is knocking on our door. And it's the sad thing is that with that wheat and the tares, they both grow up together. They both share the same root, the, the, the same water supply from the same soil. But guess what? One's called false and one's called the truth. If you know the truth, the truth will set you. Do you know the truth? Do you know the truth? I'm not saying be a theologian. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying the truth of God's word, how much he loves you. What he did at the cross. See, for me, nothing goes outside the cross. An angel came yesterday. Praise God. What did he say to you? It doesn't line up with the cross. It's deception. Oh, but I saw this and that. Great. I was listening to a guy once. He was talking. And I'd heard about Christian science. I don't know if you've ever heard of Christian science. And this guy goes, oh, Tony, I'm looking at this book. And he was very sincere. He was reading all this stuff about Christian science. And everything had to do with Scripture. But it wasn't, it was more a formula on how to make money. It was more of a formula how to, to entice people, attraction, and how do you get people to give you, and how do you, how are you going to win a job, and it was all this sort of stuff. There were some treasures in there, but the more he spoke, and it just did my head in because it didn't sit right. And that next day or day later, I was walking through Belmain, and I had a meeting, and I was walking, and there's all these bunch of, they had signs up, and they were all Christian science people. They were giving pamphlets, and I thought, oh, let's go. So I walked over. And I stood there, and I was like, oh, yeah. They gave me a pamphlet, and I heard this lady talk to a man, and she's talking to him. And I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, pretending. I'm listening to the conversation. And everything came out of her mouth, and I thought, my Lord, it's the greatest deception you've ever seen. It was all about how to use the force of God and the in a sense, the anointing of God and the attraction of God and the flow of God and all the, it was all principles that we know, like sowing and reaping and doing, but it was all garbage. It was a formula. It was deception. There was nothing in that conversation I heard about Jesus Lord, how much he loves us, what he did for us at the cross, that we are sinners and we need a savior. Nothing. It was all about how, what they could get from God. And people are buying this garbage because it's deception. You might get one or two treasures out of it. Great. But it's all deception. I sat there and I listened to this garbage. And I was a young believer. And it just didn't sit right. None of it sat right. Because all I was doing was satisfying the flesh. All I was doing is what I can get. Using God as a formula, as a genie in a bottle. 
But I'm afraid a lot of us are like that. We're looking for the next best thing. But God wants us to be a people of maturity. He wants to let us grow. He's amazing God. Unlike here in, this, in the fields where they're waiting for the end harvest before it matures and he separates it and puts it in the fire, which is hell. We have a Holy Spirit in us right now that can warn us of deception so we can grow and not get entangled with the false. Because the false is there. Turn on your TV. I read an article the other day about this Christian minister and the garbage that he was saying and the justification of the rubbish that they're talking about. He's a church. I think, is this guy a believer? He's got a church and he's a believer and he's speaking. He might as well have been a heathen. The stuff he was saying that we should be doing when it came to abortions and it came to a few other things and just the way he spoke and I thought, is this guy serious? They just twist the scripture. They twist the word of God. They twist the love of God. They pervert the love of God. But we have a Holy Spirit in us, amen. That oh, He guides us into all truth, amen. And He loves us because the first thing He does, He edifies Jesus in us. Can we stand? There are times in our life that we will get entangled with something that's wrong. And it's not a condemnation thing. It's a revelation thing that I can chop away. The beauty about it, because of the blood of Jesus, I can chop that root that's been entangled. I can chop that thorn that's grabbed me. I can chop that mindset, the lie of the enemy that's put inside me. See, the, This is talking about the field, the kingdom of God. But what about your inner world? What's happening on the inside of your world? Now, are you right with Jesus right now? I, I, have you allowed the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to come into your heart right now? You might have been hurt. I know a lot of people have been hurt by ministers of the church or hurt by church or hurt by people that are in authority. And they're the, they're the sort of things the enemy sends to entangle you, to bind you. But Jesus says, if you know the truth, you will be free. You will be free. Listen to me. You will be free because the blood of Jesus on the cross sets you free. Hallelujah. What Jesus did on the cross, it's a finished work. The word, it is finished on the cross. There's another Hebrew word that says that it is complete or it is perfect. There's nothing left to do. He did it all. And when the devil knocks on your door, you can say, hang on, devil. Every accusation you make against me is being paid in full. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing I can give you. There's nothing you can take from me because it's been paid in full. Why? Jesus emptied himself. The son of man on the earth, he's the son of God. He took what we deserve the punishment that we deserve, he took that and he gave us everything that is rightfully his. In other words, we deserve hell. We deserve punishment. We have broken his laws, but Jesus didn't. So what Jesus does, he goes, what's rightfully mine is sonship, kingship, anointing, blessings, 
I'm going to take what you deserve and I'll take it upon me. And what I have already got, I'm going to give it to you, the great exchange on the cross. And then the Holy Spirit comes in to make his home with you. And then our eyes can open and see the deception that's from afar. This is not over. This is just the beginning, guys. God has taken us to a place deeper in him, in this body today. But he makes, he wants us to know how much the first deception that you got to understand, you got to get rid of that you're not loved, that you're rejected, but you're not. God has not forgotten you. Hallelujah. Jesus foresaw this, what would happen on this earth today. Nothing is a secret to God. Nothing shocks God. Nothing surprises God. But he is willing to walk this out with us. If you're willing to surrender your life to him. So if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have not appropriated what he did at the cross. You have not surrendered what you deserve for what he deserves. In other words, he took what we deserve and gave us blessings that we do not deserve. But because we are children of God, loved by Jesus, the spirit of grace comes upon you. So Father, I thank you tonight. Thank you for your word. Your word is true. We lift up holy hands to you, Lord. And we thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us, not as children, but as, as mature. Thank you that if people do not know you here, Lord, that you have marked them for the day of redemption. That you would pluck them out of the evil one's hands, Father. That you would put your spirit on the inside of them. You would wash them with your blood. We thank you for your mercy and your grace tonight. We thank you, Father, for your wonderful gift, salvation. So we are not a false weed, but we are a true children, son and daughter of God. We thank you, Father, for the gift of salvation. You want to call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I thank you for your wonderful mercy tonight. Pray for anyone who's sick here tonight, Father, that you would touch them with your mighty hand from heaven. Let the anointing of healing fall upon them right now in the name of Jesus, right now. You're not withholding anything. You're a loving Father who likes to give. If you are able to give good gifts, how much more your Heavenly Father will give you the Holy Spirit. We thank your Holy Spirit. We worship you as King and Lord. I bless everyone in this room. Surrender your life to Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. And why don't you bask in the Father's love tonight? Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. Let the light of the gospel shine. Let bitterness leave. Let offense leave. Let anger leave. Let Betrayal leave. Let rejection leave in Jesus' name. Let religion leave in Jesus' name. I thank you for that. Thank you that you loved us, Jesus, with an everlasting love. And we pray this prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.